0: This is Kutsianaki, Anaki, and welcome to another episode of Down to the Struts. In the past few episodes, we've learned about the movement from disability rights to disability justice, the power of language to reclaim disability pride, and the design elements of a blind sport that could transform the wider world. Today. We'll take these concepts to a new dimension as we talk about how we as disabled people design worlds of our own. We'll listen in on my conversation with Justice Shorter, Melissa Lomax, and Conchita hernandez Legareta, founders of Walk World, a community of mutual aid and support for blind women of color. Please note that this episode contains some strong language. This episode is dedicated to disabled women of color everywhere. Know that you are seen, believe that you are beautiful and perfect, and remember that you are loved. Okay, let's get down to it. Conchita, Melissa, Justice, thank you so much for joining me on Down to the Struts. How are you guys doing this
1: evening? Feeling good, feeling Very real good. good. Yeah. So,
0: so Conchita, you're you're out in California, right? Or still- I am. And every it seems like the
2: world works on East Coast time, so it's definitely like counting mm-hmm. hours. Like, wait, what what time is everybody else on? But yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, so it's still, you know, you're still in like the the afternoon times. Well, I really appreciate all of you being here with me today to talk about Walk World and the important work that you're doing. And I wanted to start out with just you all have such incredible stories, and I wanted to give everyone an opportunity to hear about your journey and, and how you ended up creating this group. So I wanted to start with you, Justice, and you know, in our past conversations as we were preparing for this podcast, You told me a lot about your work and your advocacy and organizing around Black Lives Matter and Black Disabled Lives Matter and the history in which that work is rooted and how that brought you to Walk World. So I would love it if you could share that story with us and and tell us a little bit about what brought you to create this group.
1: Well, oh, thank you for having me. This is Justice. I am a lover of books, and I am a lover of Black history, and all of that has really played a major role in terms of what I do on a day-to-day basis, both professionally and in my personal life and my advocacy work and my activism. All of those things are deeply connected. I would say, though, with regards to Walk world, just let's break down that phrase, WOC, W-O-C. That stands for Women of color. And I just, if for a moment, if we can dive into the history, because I think it's important to recognize all those who have come before us, again, me saying that I'm a lover of history. I can't say that without actually talking about the history for just a minute. So I want to focus here on 1977, which is when the National Women's Conference took place in Houston, Texas. And there was a section of that that big platform that they decided to put together. Um, All of these women came together and they created around a 200 page document And within that document, only three pages or so were devoted to minority women. And so there were a group of Black women from D.C., shout out to D.C., where I currently reside, who went to the conference and they thought that that was wholly inadequate. And they came with their Black women's agenda. And once they shared that with other women of color, and other minority women, they decided, hey, we want to be a part of this, too. So then they came up with the phrase women of color, right, because it was no longer a black women's agenda. They started having conversations with Asian women and Latinx women and Native American women. And they said, okay, we want to be a part of this agenda. So it was no longer the black women's agenda. Now it became this women of color. Agenda, And it's a really a solidarity commitment to work with other oppressed women of color. It is a political designation. It is not a piece of biological destiny. So I know sometimes people will look at this and they'll say, okay, well, I'm not a, a person of color, I'm Black, or I'm not a person of color, I'm Asian. Um, when there's a phenomenal YouTube video where I'm getting up like all of this nearly verbatim, and I we will put that into the show notes because the, the it literally goes through this almost line by line the same way that I'm doing this, um, in about three minutes or so. So it's a wonderful video to watch, but if you don't have time or for any reason it's inaccessible to you, I just wanted to go through those different points here. Um, so that wasn't a phrase that was foisted onto us, it was created by us in terms of, of women of color. So we really use that and we stand on, on the shoulders of those. Women who did that. So I've been very influenced by other Black women throughout history, such as Audre Lorde, who was the Black lesbian warrior poet who also had low vision. So in terms of the work that we're doing right now, Walk World is is centrally focused on blind women of color. It is a virtual community for blind women of color. In terms of me and how I got uh, going with this, I literally just texted Conchita one day and said, hey, I really want to do stuff for young blind women of color. I think we should just get on the phone and see if they how they're doing and if they need something and how we can support. And Kanchita's like, cool, let me get the Zoom room. And so she's ready. And, and so as soon as she did that, it was like committed us to a date so that we could have an event. And then she was like, I know another really dope ass woman named Melissa Lomax. I said, I want to know Melissa Lomax. And so she connected me, me with her we all got together in a group and started building from there. But I will pause there and let Kanchita take the narrative from here.
0: Yeah, I I really appreciate you rooting us in that history. And I had the great privilege of participating in this group in your sort of inaugural event this summer. And as someone who, uh, you know, we'll dive into this more later, but as a woman who is of South Asian descent, it really felt like a space for for Black women, for Asian women, for Latinx women who share this experience of blindness and and low vision. And, And so it's just a really powerful thing you're doing. And it's rooted in such a deep, history, as you described, and I'm excited to share that YouTube video in the show notes so those who are able to access that or experience that can learn more about what you've said. Turning to you, Conchita, you're such a powerful educator and you've devoted your career to engaging in particular with communities in general, but with Latinx communities about issues of disability. And I would love to hear more about that story and what brought you into into Walk World and to forming it with Justice and Melissa.
2: Yeah, thank you um, for having us. That was a really good introduction because it's like a perfect segue. As the basis looking at disability justice, so we hear a lot about disability rights. And disability rights is you want to sit at the table. However, disability justice is the idea that like, we want liberation, not inclusion into racist ableist systems. One of the ways that we all connect is by sending each other quotes like, Oh my God, I'm reading this book. And Oh, I'm reading this book. (laughs) Um, We all really love to read. So I think that's really helpful. This idea of disability justice comes from a lot of people, Sins Invalid being a main one. They have a primer out called Skin, Tooth, and Bone, a disability justice primer. There's been really cool people to mention a couple, Leroy Moore, Stacey Milbourne, Ellie Clare, Sebastian Margaret, Mia Mingus, Lydia Brown, Aurora Levins-Morales, and Talila TL. And there's so, so many others. And so kind of having this framework of disability justice as a way to have liberation, not just basic right, it's always so difficult to find spaces that meet all of our needs as people that have multiple identities, especially marginalized identities, and absolutely trying to build within organizations, right? Like I absolutely collaborate and try to build with existing organizations, but it comes a point where like, I'm no longer begging you because I'm done begging you, (laughs) like asking blindness organizations to include people of color, asking organizations that are for people of color to please include disability and accessibility. It's just a constant battle. And so this idea of disability justice framing our work and saying, you know what? We are going to create our own spaces where we can decide what that looks like without having to beg anybody. And we're not asking anybody for a seat, we're building our own. So some of the work I've done around Meta started in this way. Four of us that are blind came together and we're all professionals in disability, blindness, education. And we came together and we're like, we see a need for Spanish speaking folks, people that lie beyond our made up borders that we've created. So outside of the United States, how much information is needed, and we didn't ask organizations for permission to do the work. We just started doing it and started creating it, and it's been really, really successful in the sense of we've been able to reach out to the people we were wanting to reach out. I feel like there's so many people in the disability space who want to be like spotlight, and they want to be like, "Oh, I'm so important," and, and I feel like where that takes us away from like our work of like, how are we reaching out to the people that have never been connected with the disability community? And so that's where Walk World comes right. It's this feeling that. We're creating the space by people who are from the space. So, right, as all of us are women of color, we're creating the space for women of color. We're not like saying this is what has to happen. We're in a space now where we're saying this space belongs to all of us. It belongs to every person that was on the call belongs to every woman who wants to be a part of this. We're very inclusive to trans people and deaf people and anybody who wants to join who fits being a woman of color and being blind. And so how can we build it together as all of us coming together and creating it? And it's it's going to change based on the people that are a part of it and how they want it to move forward. And so we've created a Facebook group. Melissa's constantly asking questions and people are commenting and and to just build community so that we make it collectively together into what everybody wants it to be.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important. And I I really appreciate the point. You know, one of the things that brought me personally to the group, compelled me to join and made me feel that it was so important is what you were describing as this sort of double whammy of, you know, and I say this with love for my South Asian community. I really do, but um having to deal with sort of the lack of education and The resulting ableism of that community and then the feeling that up until very, very recently and prior to the advocacy of that long list of people you just described, Conchita and I actually had Sara Acevedo on the podcast for our second episode. And she talked a lot about Sins Invalid and Patty Byrne and all of that amazing work of all of those people you named. And I definitely want to share more of those resources out to folks in the show notes. But prior to that, the disability work was really focused on the interests and issues of white disabled people. So you have this sort of double whammy of exclusion. And a lot of the things we've talked about in this podcast have been about how do we design a world that factors in disability? And that's important. And that battle is an important one to fight. But I think in the meantime, I think it's it's really critical for disabled people of all different types, backgrounds, and whatever to create design their own world. And so, and I think I think what you're doing is so central in that sense. I wanted to turn it also over to Melissa to talk about. So Melissa is the fabulous co host of a fantastic podcast called Fashionably Tardy that challenges our ideas about fashion and lifts up the work of disabled people in the fashion industry. So Melissa, I'd love to hear from you about that work that you've done and the journey that brought you to Walk World.
3: Perfect. Well, yes, I am a co-founder of the Fashionably Tardy podcast and platform. And this is because we started to realize that there's not a true space for people with disabilities within the fashion industry. The fashion industry is exclusionary at its core, It's the in crowd. You're not cool enough. You don't look like this. You don't purchase this. So you're not relevant enough to be seen. And this is the worst kind of environment to put diversity into because they're not as welcoming. And so we are deciding that instead of complaining or instead of glorifying maybe the two or three or four people like Jillian Mercado who broke the mold and who are doing great things, who is a person who's a woman of color, who's also disabled within the fashion industry. We said, let's start a conversation. Let's start telling stories and connecting on shared experiences. And that's how we birthed the Fashionably Tardy Podcast. What we do is we share people's stories and sometimes we include the fact that they're disabled sometimes we may not even say it but what we're doing is we're putting a platform where everyone regardless of whether or not they have disabilities is thriving and we're not pushing one one group above the other we're talking about the significance of collaboration and with that we've been able to work with designers work with stylists and talk to them about how to work in accessibility into their their jobs as well as app developers who are doing some great things for shopping in general and on the same side of it we're also we're also really focused on educating people with disabilities about their potential not only to be in the fashion industry because I mean some people may want to do that but most of us just want to dress nice and Mm -hmm. shop well and so we're doing all that education as well and focusing a lot on self-love, self-confidence, and on positive body image, and also talking about style over fashion. And for me, I just created a group for blind high school and college students talking about these very things to help them understand that fashion isn't something to be afraid of. It's something to celebrate their identity with. And style is, is the goal. It's not to keep up with these trends that appear and disappear overnight. We are by no means, my co my co-founder and I, Natalie, we're by no means fashion fanatics. We're in love with inclusion and we feel like this industry needs it more than ever. And that's what we're going to do. As far as my involvement with Walk Worlds, I got a text message from Conchita mm-hmm. one day. And I said, in my mind, I'm like, why why me but then she started to explain you know my affiliation with a lot of youth because for the past 6 or 7 years i've been working with blind youth i've worked with students from all across the country in my time and i've been able to develop great relationships and to make connections with them and for that my desire is has always been to empower youth especially people of color within the blindness community, because oftentimes they're misunderstood. I can't express how many times I've had people assume that because one of my students is from an inner city area or because they talk a certain way that they're automatically misbehaving. They're bad students. And I've kind of created a platform where I say, let's change this. Let's focus on mentoring and revamp that whole negative outlook on these students, so that we can actually see what they're made of. And so that we can encourage them to be better than what they are today. And so one of my biggest points is that we need to change the mentor process. And we also need to, especially in the blindness community, expand the scope of available mentors, because it's like this unseen catalog, where you can look through the successful blind people and say, oh, yes, this person's great to speak to. This person knows exactly what they're talking about. But really, these people are usually white and older and don't connect as well with the youth or the youth can't see themselves. And so I say, let's number one, instead of just pairing students with mentors who we think are fitting, let's allow them to be more active in this process. What identities are more essential for them at that moment? Is it really race? Is it really their career goals? What is it? And let's stop assuming we know. The second issue is that we need to encourage more people of color, that they too have a lot of gems that can be passed down to the youth who are coming up within the blindness community. And the way we do that is to stop avoiding these issues and start discussing diversity and inclusion and start realizing that we still have a ways to go as far as seeing people of color in leadership roles and people of color being spotlighted within these communities. And that way students can have more options to pick from and they're not paired with the token black or the token Latinx person who may not connect with them. We are just as diverse as the rest of the blindness community. So let's bring on more people of color. And with that mantra and with that mindset, The reason why I so love walk world is because we're saying let's create this space. Let's emphasize the importance of mentorship. We have older blind women who come and love on us and encourage us and pour into our community. And that right there is the core of it. We're saying you look at these people, look at their encouragement, look at what they're wanting to do for us and with us. And just know that you ladies as well can grow up, or if they're already adults, can also share these gems with other people. We want to build up more mentors. We want to build up stronger communities.
0: Yeah. And I think by having those young women having an experience of mentorship that is positive and affirming, and that aligns with what they're looking for in a mentor, then they in turn can pay it forward to the next generation. So I think you're, you're creating this wonderful sort of cycle. And there was just so much in what you just said that makes so much sense to me. And I think that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to kind of chat with you ladies about next, which is it takes a lot of thought care planning to create a group like this, it doesn't just kind of come together. I would love to hear from all of you about what are sort of the most important elements of this group and what were your priorities as you were putting it together? I know each of you has spoken a little bit about that in introducing yourselves and your journey to walk world, but I'm curious about as you've worked together, what has come up as most important and, and how are you infusing those values into how you're moving forward with developing the group?
2: I'll start this, Conchita. One of the things we mentioned a little bit earlier is collaborative leadership. Like we really believe in collaborative leadership in that we started it, but we expect everybody to make decisions moving forward and everybody to be both a mentee and a mentor. And that ties into mutual aid, right? Like we, we made a point of talking about mutual aid and how we want this to be that space for people where if you need a professional reference, if you need if you're looking for a job, we can support you in that way because we're all somehow connected. If you need financial assistance for something, like we can help connect you. And in sometimes we take it and sometimes we give, it's not just like, oh, we're the leader. So we're always going to help you out, but rather we all need of each other. And so like collaborative community, collaborative leadership, mutual aid, and kind of having those central focuses on what Justice mentioned and women of color and knowing about that and disability justice and how that kind of engulfs us in love and helps us be able to build a movement that is all about community. This
1: is Justice and I actually Heard something recently where someone said, if you don't have a mentor that's younger than you, then you are missing out. <laughs> so <laughs> I love this emphasis on the fact that mentors are not just older blind women, right? But it could be someone mm-hmm. who is 21 who could teach you a lot about mothering, right? She or she could perhaps teach you a lot about going back to school if you are choosing to start a new career, right? There's on and how to use different types of assistive technology. So we can all learn from one another. One thing that we wanted to do was equalize. Um, the participants in Walk World, right? So we didn't want anyone to feel as if because you're 16, then you don't have anything substantive to add to the conversation. Or because you are 40, it is your job to then lecture the rest of the group on, on what is proper, what's respectable, or what is uh, suitable in order for you to move forward in life. I think so often as as blind folks or people with disabilities in general, we kind of get stuck and, and pigeon-held and, and being seen through the prism of inspiration all at a damn time. And you don't have to be that in Walk World. You can talk about your depression. You can talk about the fact that shit is hard. You can talk about the fact that white supremacy is trash. You can talk about the the fact that, that colonialism is still rooted in the way our society operates and the ways that global systems are being implemented across the world. Like you can, you can talk about all of those things and what that means to you as a blind woman uh, maneuvering through this space and and the places that you occupy. There's space and there's grace for all of those conversations to be had simultaneously. Or hell, you could just talk about hair issues. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we can have, we can have those conversations, right? Like all there, there's space and there's grace for all of those things to occur. But I actually want to pivot back really quickly to Conchita, because I think she has some of our principles, which perhaps more succinctly tells you how we have rooted ourselves, the different concepts, the different ideals that we have really rooted ourselves in, and that we expect everybody who joins this group to also root themselves in. So Conchita, if you don't mind, I'm just going to toss it right back to you real quick.
2: So we have six main things that we kind of have created around the group. And so the first one is women of all ages are welcome. So it goes back to the point that Justice was saying about Everyone is a mentor and a mentee, and we welcome everyone into the group. We really want this to be a space for blind women of color only. One thing we have recognized is that anytime you say that, it does create a little bit of resistance from people that are like, why? Why are you trying to discriminate against white women? And so we we definitely have had very intentional conversations about how does this look like and what does it look like when a white woman might join and how do we kick them out? <laughs> so so being very intentional I think has been a very important part of it like we said collective leadership is definitely something it says we believe in collective leadership members can ask to take on tasks and activities and members have posed questions we actually had a really good conversation about hair by a member who you know it was what was on her mind and being able to share and that was really really powerful and fourth one is active participation so people being feeling like they can share and then a place for love and care so you know a place where we can all come together and care. We've been very intentional in our planning. Like you said, it wasn't just like, oh, let's have a Zoom call and get people on. It was very intentional about let's create a script. Let's be intentional about bringing artists on our call. You know, we had two performers who shared spoken word, shared song. And so that was really important as a place of joy, you know, creating a space with joy and being able to have that. So that's kind of been our intention to bring this together in a way that kind of roots all of those things and kind of moves us forward.
1: I just want to say, though, real quick, it did start off with me just being like, hey, Conchita, let's get on the phone. So I got my shit together. And I was just like, OK, we, we should definitely do this way better than, than us just like getting on the phone and randomly waiting on somebody to say something. So, yes, we eventually got it together.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes that's how great things start. And I, I oh, love too. your mention of mutual aid, Conchita. I don't know if you all listen to Amy Hemry's podcast, Contra, which I have recently started listening to and I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with. And she's been doing these solidarity chats during the pandemic. And one of those uh, chats focused on the development of mutual aid organizations, which was really led historically by disabled people. And I love, just love this concept of the idea of like you give and you take, and there's sort of a mutuality there. And sort of flip answer to that for me is frankly, you know, I feel like there's, I stand to learn as a self-proclaimed Luddite, for example, I feel like I have a ton to learn from younger women of color about technology and like, um, you know, I mean, there's so much wisdom from the people who are coming ahead of us and behind us in time. And I don't think age necessarily has to do with it. It has to do with the diversity of our experiences in the world, which are really different. And people can experience different things at different ages, de- depending on their life circumstances. So I think that's that's really, really important. So I wanted to kind of follow up with with all of you about you had this wonderful event. It was It was intense. It was fun. There was laughter. There was tears. There was joy. There was sort of sadness. There was a lot going on in the world as this event was happening with the pandemic and the the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. There was just so much. Um, And so I'm curious about, you know, what you think about in terms of, you know, you have the Facebook group, which is which is wonderful. And we'll make sure we share a link to that so folks can apply to join, um, assuming that they are, you know, sort of meet the criteria, but what are your thoughts about keeping up with people and sort of building those webs and, and, you know, how has that, how has that played out since the event over the summer?
3: It's played out fairly well. One thing I must say, this is Melissa. One thing I must say is that we care about everyone who's in the group. And there has been several times where justice will say, have you heard from so-and-so? I haven't. I'm going to email them. I'm going to call them. It's not just an event, as you said. It wasn't just a one time thing. In fact, we are planning a second event. It's not just a Facebook group, though, this is the launch pad to create that mutual aid situation to enhance our community, to get us all connected and feeling more comfortable in this space. But it's more than that. We are hoping to have more professional development opportunities. We have so many hopes for this group. And it's not just us three. These are responses from others. We have a survey, in fact, where we polled people and said, what do you want to see in this group? What do you need most? What can you give? And from that, we are redesigning the future of Walk World. And of course, it will include more conversations, the conversations that we may not be able to have in other spaces, because that's essential for our growth, and in other ways, in some ways for our healing.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I think as much as You hear about, I think folks are familiar with a Netflix documentary that came out. It's called Social Dilemma. And, you know, there's all this sort of concerns around uses of media and so on and so forth. And however, you know, what I keep reminding people as this has been a powerful, like things like Facebook and Twitter. I know, Melissa, you and I were having an exchange on the Facebook group about my sort of reluctance about Twitter and how I finally, you know, joined the party. But, you know, these tools have been a really powerful mechanism to, they're tools. right? They're not the end all be all, they're tools to bring people together. And and I think you all have used them really effectively and to start to kind of pull together this community. And, And Melissa, you know, you transitioned beautifully once again into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was what are your hopes for this community? And what do you see in the future based on, you know, how things have gone so far?
1: So this is Justice. What I will say is that a lot of my work I professionally deals with disasters and emergencies and rapid responses. So a part of what I envision and what I dream for this group is is an element. So in addition to everything that Melissa has already shared, an element that is kind of circle up sessions for people who are actively dealing with with crisis situations or people who are dealing with really difficult personal issues and they just need some support. And this would probably be around these quicker sessions, about 15 or 20 minutes or so, where whoever is available jump on this line. We need to circle up with love. You know, We need to circle up and respond. Somebody's going through some things. Can we show up for you? The the one thing, and I love the fact that both Melissa and Conchita has mentioned this, we have been extremely intentional. We had conversations in the beginning on what do we do if someone mentions abuse? What do we do if someone mentions trauma? What do we do if someone mentions violence? And how can we hold the conversation with gentle hands so that we don't perpetuate additional harm? And so that is embedded into the framework of walk world now. And so we continue um, to have those same types of discussions around how can we hold each other when the rest of the world has really treated us in one way or another um, in ways that has caused us to not feel um, as beautiful, as valued, as worthy, um, as capable as we are. And so I think that's a part of what I envision for this moving forward. I want this to be active, right? I I know so many people who will boast about their numbers. Oh, I have thousands of people uh, who are in my group. I have thousands of people who are on my listserv, hundreds of people on my listserv. But can you mobilize them? Can you activate them around an issue, right? Or can you get them to circle up and show up for one another, right? So we, we, you know, we don't have any um, we're not forcing people to believe any particular type of ideology outside of our principles as we've noted kind of come and respect those but how do we show up for each other how do we show up for our communities and how do we help one another lead in different ways right so not only in terms of collective leadership for the group but then also how do we how do we export that out to the communities right how do we exemplify that in our communities right so how can we be leaders not only in our jobs but also in our in our homes and also in our churches and also in our synagogues and our mosques Also, in our community centers, also a part of our city council meetings, also a part of our state legislature. Like, how can we make sure that we are showing up for each other to provide that support in every aspect of life because it's needed? So, that's where my mind is at the moment.
3: I really love that. It's kind of like our opportunity to be a part of a huddle, and it's our chance to empower each other. And as you said, Justice, to go out into the community, into the places where our goals are, where our career aspirations are, whatever it is to be more confident, knowing that we have support. That's that's my goal as well, to be able to create that space where we can see more success stories and know that we are there together celebrating, and we may be there together when things are rough.
2: That was really well said with Justice and Melissa. And just to add, you know, just finding awesome people to have your back. I feel like every meeting I'm a part of, I have like a text message going with other people just talking shit about <laughs> what's going on. And I feel like that's what this group serves <laughs> us too. Like we can talk shit about every, everything extraneous um, mm-hmm. where we don't necessarily fit into neat little boxes in our work. Like I'm the only Latina person in my whole work. Um, and like, there is literally no other person. And so, you know, in a lot of these spaces, we are the only, I'm the only disabled, openly disabled person as well. So a lot of these spaces that we embody, we are the exception. And so we're we're navigating spaces as people who are seen as the anomaly. And so how do we do that in a way to be empowered and powerful? And we do that by having the community behind us who we can talk shit with and also cry with and also have joy with and that's really kind of my hope for this community that we all connect in such a way that we're like no matter what happens I got my walk world and I'm good
1: it's fucking beautiful yo fucking <laughs> beautiful. no honestly because I, I there there's so many instances where I will jump and we you know and just be like yo what what is happening right now you know like I'm I'm really exhausted life is really irritating me or you know I'll, or I'll just say something if, if Melissa or Conchita is having a bad day or just dealing with a lot just like try to make you laugh you know what I mean but can we show up and fully be present for one another it's one thing to do that on a surface level, right? And just be like, oh, I care about you. Call me. And then never pick up the fucking phone when somebody is in need, right? Or never actually um, embrace them when they are coming to you with something that's hard and difficult because you just don't have the time or you just don't care to do so. It takes a lot of energy. Um, It takes attention, it takes um, time. And to do that is an act of love. It is a radical act of love Um, because every other force convinces you or tries to compel you not to do that. Like life weighs you down. Toni Morrison says that racism is a distraction. The purpose of it is to keep you from doing your work. All of the things that you wish you could be doing because it puts you in a perpetual position of having to constantly explain your very existence. I'm paraphrasing, but you get the point the purpose is though when you can come and have a group that have a place to go to where you you're you're not distracted by all of these other elements or you can talk about how those distractions have deterred you from doing some of the things that you really most want to do in life, such as the things that you have been dreaming of for years. You can have somebody else say, I'm in that same place. How can we get there together? Or let me just tell you what I'm doing. Not to say it's going to work for you, because I also believe that you shouldn't ask people. There's a quote by Glennon Doyle that says, you shouldn't ask people for directions to places they've never been. So your journey is unique. It is different. It is particular to you and your own personal path. Um, But if you can learn something from from what I've done, not saying you should do it like me, but if that helps, wonderful. If it doesn't, leave it at the damn door, you know, like it and, and there's no judgment there. But if we can provide that for each other, then to do it. And I think we're actively trying to, it is a practice, you know, it is not like this ultimate destination where we get there and we're like, we got it all figured out. It's literally something we're trying to practice every single day. We're trying to practice the shit we talk about.
0: You know, I really, I really appreciate y'all you sharing your dreams for this group. And I I have to say, and you know, Justice, I think I shared a little bit of this with you, but as I was mentioning, you know, in my own community and, you know, I'm someone who lost vision over time and I had a disability journey that involved, you know, I often describe it as kind of like for someone who deals with vision loss some of you might know like and understand that it can be a process of it's almost like a process of grieving you know you kind of go through the the denial the anger the sadness the darkness of all of it and then you kind of come out on the other side or you come out wherever you come out everyone's journey is different and i you know in my 20s especially experienced so much isolation because i was you know south asian but i felt like my south asian community did not embrace my disability I, you know, am a Muslim, but I, I'm not a practicing Muslim, you know, so I didn't quite fit there. You know, I, I grew up in an environment that was very white, so I didn't really fit there in my schooling and things like that. And so I felt this sort of placelessness. But when I discovered this group and came together with all of these amazing, incredible women of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all experiences, I finally felt like I had a place that is such a powerful thing. And I just wanted to kind of connect back to something you were saying, Conchita. It's like in building and designing a world for ourselves, we empower ourselves in that world outside of that group. So, you know, I really hope that we see women from walk world running for office. Uh, being leaders in their community is because they have the support of this world that you, the three of you have started and that is being built and created by everyone through this model, as you described it, Konjita, of collaborative leadership. So I'm personally grateful to you for, you know, as someone who has felt so, so displaced for for much of their life to finally feel like they have a place where they belong. It's, it's, that's And I'm sure I am not alone in the women of Walk World in that experience. So, you know, I think those goals are incredible. So I'm curious, what is your message right now? today for blind women of color
2: well after what you just said you almost made me cry so I'm not really sure
4: <laughs> oh um, no I'm sorry
2: <laughs> no, it's I'm a crier I cry like 90% of all the panels I'm on
0: <laughs> um so I was should- just saying what was on my heart I'm taking your lead guys You're- I love it I love it. That, <laughs> that is crying is good it's good um
2: no I I think I I would say to all the women you know, one thing that I would say to my students, um, and it just boggled me that nobody had told them ever before, is, um, you know, I would tell my students and, and kind of try to instill in them, like, you're perfect just the way you are. And I feel like, especially as disabled people, um, we don't hear that a lot because we hear so much how we need all these things and our teachers are able-bodied white women for the most part because um, that's the majority of who teachers are. It's something so simple that's like you are just perfect the way you are. You know, you have so much to offer the world and your story needs to be told because, you know, somebody coming on to Walk World, then that adds something because nobody's story is the same. So just being able to share the message of for all blind women of color, like you're perfect just the way you are and we're here to support you and um yeah, it doesn't, nothing's always perfect. I really like what Justice said earlier about there's so much pressure a lot of times in the blind community to be this like perfect role model and to be mm-hmm. like,
0: oh,
2: inspiration so well. porn. Yes, like, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing so well and I'm like, no, I've been crying for the last six days. So, yeah. you know, so um, so to be able to be fully who you are with the joy and the sadness and the struggle, um, not having to hide who you are in a space and that space should be everywhere, but it's not. And so- right we can be begin creating that space so that then we can branch out into other worlds.
3: It's great because I feel like we're connected in this mission together because we all have the same mindset. So when you hear from one, in in many ways you're hearing from all of us and what our heart is for this community. And the one thing I'd say, the one thing that really came to my mind at first is that for blind women of color, you not only have the right to have this space, but it may be what you need to, to thrive. Because a lot of the times people want to feel like it's okay to do stuff on their own and to suffer alone. And like, yeah, I'm the only one who's going through this, but we're here to say you're not, this is a space we welcome you to come to join, to get a part of community because community really is the beginning to answering a lot of the questions that you may have. And it's also the beginning of being able to fight a battle because you cannot fight these battles on your own. And that's what we're here for. We're here to encourage and to empower each other. But we're also here to celebrate. It's no fun celebrating by yourself. So this community has value in so many ways. I also really love the message that Conchita shared just about encouraging women of color to understand that you are perfect just the way you are that was the second thing that came to my mind when I heard you forming the question because as we know everyone is struggles with insecurities in one way or another but when you're dealing with that desire to fit in maybe in your disability community as well as in your your family or your local community or your ethnic or your racial group sometimes there's a lot of tension and it's like like you said I think we've all said it on this podcast actually it's it's weird because you don't fully fit anywhere and so I would just encourage everyone to know that there is a
1: space where you do fit
0: justice what are your
1: what is yeah, your message I, I read a lot of speculative fiction so i am a fierce believer in, in world building right so really the, the creativity to build your own world um, and what world came about as we've mentioned several times thus far it kind of grew out of us being fiercely committed to creating the spaces that we didn't have coming up ourselves So I encourage folks to ask themselves, what what motivates you? I had to get real clear, real quick on what motivated me because I, I feel like in my activism and in my advocacy and even professionally, there'll be so many different forces or different commentaries around what you should be doing and how you should be doing it, when you should be doing it and why. And I think only you can determine what moves you. So for example, my frustration and my theory, it helps me to focus, but it does not fuel me. Love does, though. So. And I can do that sustainably. And we talked about disability justice. Sustainability is one of the principles of disability justice. What can you do for the long term, right? How can you think about sustainability in that way from a personal perspective, right? So I want to I wanna be in this work for the long haul. I want to be committed to blind women of color for the long haul and I know for the way that I can do that personally is to let love lead the way. So when I'm texting people to try to figure out if they're okay because we haven't heard from them for a while or when I'm, you know, not doing well myself but you still want to kind of give out good energy, I do that from a place of love and I hope that will we, you know, you kind of get that in return, but I think it's also really cool to try to just get with some people who you can build with because you don't need to necessarily hold everything on your shoulders. So if there's something that you want to create that you feel like you never had access to, be the person that creates it. And find other cool, dope-ass, beautiful people just like you to help you do that, right? So it could be a, a homegirl. It could be a cousin. It could be a high school friend who you had a similar interest with, right? But find somebody else to do it with so that you, you don't feel so alone and so that it's not all on you. I've had a busy week this last Week or so, and Melissa and Conchita have been on it, right? Because I've been, I've not been, I've been as focused, and I, I haven't been tending, tending to the group as much. But they, they have been on it, and there's weeks when they are more busy. And Conchita's like, I got this dissertation, and Melissa's like, I got a ton of shit that I'm doing, and I also have a beautiful baby, and I got like a lot of other things going on. I'm like, okay, great. Wait a minute, I'll, I'll step in, I'll help in that way. So it's also about how do you show up for one another, right? And how do you do that in a way that's actionable? So create created in whatever way works for you. Disability justice teaches us that we don't have to do things in the same blueprint of normalcy that has been created around white people. And that centers whiteness and that centers um, non-disabled bodies and non-disabled minds, right? So we can think about this in terms of what can be fitted and tailor-made to you and your circumstances and your needs, your priorities, your interests, your ideas, your hopes, your dreams. And I'm going to stop there.
0: Thank you all so much. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to sort of wrap up by asking you, you know, if I'm a, a blind woman of color and I'm listening to this podcast, which I hope you are, um, otherwise I have not done my job, you know, how can I plug in? Can you point us to where people can go to get connected with Walk World?
3: Absolutely. You can find us on Facebook and you can just type in Walk WOC World and it will come up. The long title is Walk World, a virtual space for blind women of color, but you can just find it under Walk World.
0: It's been such a beautiful conversation, and I'm so grateful to have had the chance to to sit down with the three of you in our respective closets slash wherever we are to record this. (laughs) So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having us. It's been great.
3: Yeah, thank you. The work you're doing is really important. It's very Mm -hmm. valuable. We love the mission of the
0: podcast overall. So thank you for this platform. Thank you for listening to Down to the Struts. This podcast would not be possible without the energy and creativity of Anna Wu, Adrian Kong, Ilana Nevins, and Avery Annapole. To learn more about our guests the topics we cover, and other great resources, visit our website at www.downtothestruts.com. If you have questions, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at downtothestruts at gmail.com. Also remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share Down to the Struts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you love to listen. Be well and stay tuned for our next episode coming December 22nd so we can get back down to it. In the meantime, I'll leave you with the sounds of Walk World. Please enjoy my fellow Walk World sister, Precious Perez, performing her original song,
4: Valiente.